We only need really detailed time management skills when we're trying to squeeze more into our days than is reasonable. So rather than trying to master time management, we actually want to master the art of subtracting, of clearing off the things that aren't crucially important and making sure that there's space for what does matter. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Bain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Welcome back to Messy and Magnificent, or if it's your first time here, hey, (laughs) I'm your gal Carly. You know, there's this really interesting thing that I've watched happen within my coaching industry over the last 15 or so years, which is that every time there's a global issue that affects us all, like the housing bubble crash when it burst back in 2008 or this current pandemic, there's always this back to basics movement that happens. Something about these types of big shakeups, they really interrupt our normal fast pace, just kind of doing our normal routine habits. And they give us a little bit of objectivity, right? They give us an opportunity to lean back and get clear about why we're doing what we're doing and what does and doesn't matter to us and what steps or ways of working are going to make sense moving forward. And so I find it really interesting that this idea of being simple or being basic, it's slang for not being enough when really keeping things simple is glorious. I talk about this a lot here on the podcast, this idea of having the big three, thriving career, health, and relationships simultaneously. And I find for many of us that if one of those areas is complex, we need to simplify the others as much as possible in order to make it doable. Meaning if there's complex things going on in your career, well, then your relationships might need to be a little bit more simple. Or if you've got health stuff that's really taking your attention, then you might have to lean back from doing extra at work. And I'm also remembering that all the moments that most of us have where we've just felt like things clicked, where we're in the zone, we're in alignment, whether that's you nailing a presentation at work or that you getting the perfect parking spot or that day when everybody celebrated you for your birthday, whatever it is, those are the moments often that were really simple where all of a sudden everything just fell into place. Your vision was clear. You were right there in the present moment. Now, I know that we've got dark days right now, literally, for those of us here in the Northern Hemisphere. But I'm going to give a big shout out here to our growing audience in the Southern Hemisphere. Hello to all of our Aussie listeners. I'm so glad that you're here with us. There's also these figurative darker days going on, the space between answers, right? Especially around COVID where the space between where we are and where we want to be might feel vast, right? It might feel wide. And yet we know that in these moments, the quality of the answers we're going to get or of the results that we're going to achieve, they arrive in direct proportion to the amount of space we give ourselves to just be, to have wiggle room to process. And this is why on our last episode, episode 60, I began to share with you this method that myself and my clients have been using successfully for years. And no pun intended, the acronym for our method is PPE. And that stands for pause, 
plan and experiment. But I will say this, while I would have never guessed that this acronym would be so apropos right now in this moment of COVID, that this really is, this simple practice is what allows our business to be both sturdy and nimble. This is how we thrive as a company and as people without fear of exhaustion or worried about whether or not we're going to make mistakes or that we're missing out or in a panic in the moments when we don't have answers. So frankly, this PPE method really does keep us healthy. And so today I'm going to share with you the second part of our professional PPE, planning. If you haven't heard episode 60 yet on daring to pause before you plan, I highly recommend that you go back and you listen to that because that's what supercharges what we're about to do together here right now. But as we talk about planning, I'm really going to cover two very specific things. Number one, I'm going to outline the four destructive D's, as in dog, of complexity that we need to watch out for. These are common things that happen when us high achievers inadvertently create more complexity on our projects or our goals or our planning that we meant to. So I want you to be able to spot these a mile away so that if they begin to crop up, you can nip them in the bud. And then we're going to talk about the three steps to streamline planning. This is what's going to make sure that this year brings you more of what boosts both you and your career, even if there's lots of unknowns and variables that we can't control. So this is a really good practice when you don't know all the answers, whether that's personally or we're talking globally. This is not a one-size-fits-all method. This is actually a method that's going to be really malleable that you are going to be able to bring your unique circumstances into and know that you have a flexible framework that's going to act as your structure, as your sturdiness, even if things around you aren't entirely sturdy. So before I talk about these four D's of complexity or these three streamlined ways of planning, I just want to pause for my favorite part of the show and give a shout out. And today I'm giving a shout out to an entire community of women, the Council of Boundary Makers. So you might have heard that the Boundary Academy, our program to help women elevate their boundaries, launches early in 2021. But you might not know that we have assembled an entire council of boundary makers. These are women from all over the world with all types of diverse life and boundary experience that are coming together this month in January to act as advisors for the final stages of this course. And they're going to be there to welcome you and everyone who enrolls with open arms of sisterhood to make sure that having boundaries is really doable. So I just want everybody on the council to know I am really appreciating you right here, right now. There is something so powerful about deciding to rise together for not trying to do it all alone, which is a big deal for me, and rather reaching out for help and watching how eager people are to support women and having the type of boundaries that give them their best careers. So I'm thinking about you all. And for anyone who's interested, I'll make sure there's always info on how to connect with me around boundaries in the show notes. So you want more free time, some space to think. You know everything would be so much easier if you just had a little more wiggle room in your days. By golly, I hear ya. So let's talk about my favorite B word for a second, boundaries. 14 years of coaching has shown me that there is a direct correlation for women between how much time and energy you have to get to the things you really care about and the types of boundaries you're setting. But nobody has taught us to set boundaries in a way that feels good. And that's why this episode is brought to you by the Boundary Academy. 
This is my forthcoming at-home study course that's going to give you both the tools and the community support to make having boundaries both doable and downright enjoyable. I'll make sure to let you know when it's available. So get on the list by heading over to carlyfane.com and get totally free access to the mini Boundaries Like a Boss course. There is nothing for sale in this 45-minute program that outlines the three essential mindsets that women with boundaries know. And it comes with a step-by-step guidebook that will allow you to have the script to upgrade your boundaries on the spot, even when people push back on them. You know that hunch you've had for a long time that you're meant to do something meaningful in the world? It's right. Let's make sure that you get to do just that. Let's get started talking about these four destructive D's of complexity. So recently I was speaking with somebody who is on one of the teams that's building an artificial womb. This is an incredibly complex project. There are so many literally moving parts that are required in order to sustain a fetus and new human life. This is a space where complexity is par for the course, as are things like building the first transatlantic phone wire, right? or navigating peace in countries that have been in states of war for long periods of time. And this is why, wherever we can, women who thrive professionally know that simple is a priority. There will always be complex things beyond our control, like, for example, this whole C-19 thing we're navigating. And this is why we must do the real work of streamlining where we can. So as I outline these four destructive D's of complexity that we need to watch out for, I want you to just keep an eye out and notice if any one or two of these is relatable. Maybe you've seen somebody else or even yourself model them. I want you to just spot the one that's really speaking to you right now. So destructive D of complexity number one is distraction. And I'm jumping right into the meat and potatoes here. (laughs) Why distraction comes up. But all too often with my clients, I see that high achievers will build complexity into projects to distract themselves from something that's painful or challenging or just needs tending to. It's another way of creating procrastination. And we know from so many studies, including one done by Gloria Mark over the Department of Informatics at the University of California, Irvine, along with Daniela Gudith and Ehrlich Klock, that distractions, when they occur during our day, it takes an average about of over 23 minutes to get back to the task at hand. So once we're interrupted, once we're distracted by a new idea or a new thought or an additional project, it takes us an average 23 minutes to get back to the thing we were trying to focus on. So distraction as an unintentional consequence of building in complexity can really suck up our time and energy. Let me give you an example of this. One of my clients is an amazing woman. She happens to be a single mom with two kids with special needs, and she's run a full-time business for a number of years, and it's really begun to grow. She now has more demand for her services than she can supply, and so it's time for her to scale up a little bit and hire some more practitioners. So she decided to build a new website. And I didn't hear from her for a little while, which was unusual until she finally sent me an email 
outlining the 12 pages of her new website was this incredibly complex and robust undertaking that she's developing in. And she's just entirely underwater. No single page is done because each time she begins to work on one, she gets distracted by another. And so they're all in a state of being partially finished. So she feels entirely underwater. And as we began to have a conversation about what really needed to go on the website, we realized that she only needs about three pages, that we could actually streamline what she was doing and get to the heart of what she needs. Because just like her, her clients are also overwhelmed. They are craving simplicity too. And so after we worked together in just an hour, we streamlined the entire website and she reported back how much easier she could breathe, how much more aligned the new site was with who she is and her mission. It was no longer scattered in a million directions. It was direct and to the point. So we just want to notice if we're making things complex where we don't need to, are we accidentally trying to distract ourselves from something and what's going on there, right? Just noticing what's going on if I'm trying to distract myself from something, what actually needs to be tended to here. Our second destructive D that happens when we make things overcomplicated is distance. We actually create space between what we're working on and what we actually care about. We create space between ourselves and our colleagues or our coworkers or our clients or our audience. Let me give you an example of what that could look like. I know when I worked in physical therapy, I would see this all the time. Every industry has its own jargon. The medical field certainly has an actual language. And that language is important. To know the original Latin and the specific terminology is really important when we're making charts and notes for patients. We want to make sure that we're incredibly specific so that there's no confusion in the medical field. However, I would watch doctors try to communicate that same medical jargon with patients who didn't have a medical background. And it created a lot of distance between both the doctor and the patient and between the patient and their own well-being because they weren't able to fully understand what was going on in their own body. And so there was space happening in this particular industry between patients and their health, which was the exact opposite of why we were there. And so we just want to keep an eye out for any industry jargon or things that we are doing where we are making complexity a barrier between us and somebody else, where we've added so much information or so much terminology to our relationship or to our dynamic that it's no longer clean and clear and easy for us to connect with our clients, with our audience, or with our coworkers. So just keeping an eye out, is there anything that I'm doing here, if you're in a scenario that feels complex, that's actually creating more distance between myself and the goal I have or the people that I hope to work with? All right, let's look at the destructive D number three. Here it's dilution, as in watering down our message. And I want to give you an example of how this shows up when we're doing complexity in places where we don't need to. I was just speaking with somebody recently and they were telling me a little about what they do for a living. And it was really fascinating. But as I listened to them explain it over the course of three and then four minutes, I really was not much clearer at the end of their explanation as I was when we began starting. So I thought maybe it's just me. Maybe I wasn't listening well, or I don't know. I just wasn't in the zone. 
After we hung out, I went and looked at their website. Same deal. I had to scroll through multiple pages of industry-related jargon and their message to finally get clear about what it is that they do for a living. It was diluted in this intention to get across something large. They actually watered down their own message. And then we see this a lot with energy. We accidentally water down our energy when we make things too complex because now we have all these different places that we need to be giving energy to. So just noticing if there's anything that's being diluted through this process of complexity. All right, here's our last one. Destructive D number four, when we're looking at places that are more complex than they need to be, is delay. This one is so obvious, I almost didn't bring it forth, but it needs to be said here because this is one of the most common outcomes of making things more complicated than they need to be. We see this a lot with high achievers who are really good at having great ideas, but then the follow through is really hard. Oftentimes in those scenarios, there's an overcomplication of the task at hand. So you've got this new idea and then we make it so complicated that you never fully complete it. Or you get stuck in a situation where you're now having to multitask, where there's so many different areas that need to be tended to that now you're having to juggle multiple things at once. And while we're here, I just want to point out that there's a major myth that women are hardwired for multitasking, that it's actually something that we're innately better at There's not much data that supports this. In fact, quite the opposite. There's some significant data, even just recently, Hirsch, Koch, and Karbach back in 2019, they released a study that made it really clear that multitasking resulted in substantial performance cross across all genders, looking at 10 different measure points that they researched. So they really could not confirm that widespread stereotype. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes, that study. It's definitely an interesting read. It's a great one for breaking a myth, right? The idea that we're meant to do multiple things at once. What really happens is that we create delays. I also just want to point out that this delay thing is really common if there's an unconscious fear of things working out. If there is any concern of what it might look like if your life changes because this project goes well, or because this career choice you make pans out, or because you make this new connection. So again, we're just looking to spot here. So if anything is feeling more complex than it needs to be, I just want you to take a note without any judgment. Is there distractions happening here? Am I inadvertently creating distance? Is my message being diluted or my goal being watered down here? Or are these delays being built in that don't really need to be here? So we're just doing this quick check because oftentimes for us high achievers, there's this need to make ourselves feel smarter or more qualified or more special or more impressive through appearing that we can handle complex things. And here's the thing, you can handle complex things. We know that because you've done that many times already. But if we want to get good work done, we have to make room for things to be as simple as possible. So the question I leave you with here is, if you're noticing that things are complex, if you could imagine that they just got 3% simpler, let's say you woke up tomorrow morning and somehow this task or this project that you're working on was a whole lot more doable, what part would need to shift? What small shift would need to change in order for this to be 3% simpler? 
And 3% is important. You might have heard me talk about this on other episodes. This comes from the field of positive psychology. There's a lot of research that backs the idea that making a 3% shift not only does it lead to fabulous results, it's also a lot more doable. So as we talk about simplifying, we also want to make that process as simple as possible. If things could be 3% easier, what might need to shift? Now, this is going to be really important because the planning process that I'm about to share with you, it's so simple. It is so streamlined. It is so like back to basics to the root of how you make your schedule that you might think it's too easy. (laughs) Notice that. Notice if beliefs like, oh, this is too easy, this can't be enough, crop up. That could be the complexity part of your brain that's used to being in charge, getting a little bit active. And as a recovering perfectionist myself, I know I've always got to keep checks and balances. If something is easy, it can also be really effective. And just a fun little side note here too, as we talk about this unique way of planning, I was just chatting with somebody recently about the nature of running your own business and how in retrospect, if you interview somebody who's had a good career or they've started a business that was successful, it is so easy to make it sound like in retrospect, like they had some type of perfect plan the whole time and that everything clicked into place because they had the perfect system. That idea as somebody who has run their own business, it just makes me want to laugh out loud because anybody who's gotten something new off the ground, whether it's applying for a new job or going back to school for something or entering a marriage or any other type of relationship, they can tell you if they speak candidly, That sure, they had an idea, they had a goal, or they had something they knew they were working towards, but they really had no full idea how to make it happen. They had to roll with the tides. They learned as they went. They modified. They made changes. They navigated all sorts of moments where they were downright positive that it was going to flop or fail or that they had no idea what they were doing. I think it's really important to just infuse a little bit of authenticity here, especially as we talk about this specific way of planning, because it's going to give you a framework that supports the unexpected things that come your way. So here are the three steps to streamlined planning that are going to make sure that this upcoming year or this next chapter in your life brings you a lot more of what boosts both you and your career, even if there's lots of unknowns, especially if there's variables beyond our control. So step Number one for streamlined planning is get a calendar out. Now talk about sounding so basic that it would be easy to forget this part. When I say get a calendar out, I mean for the entire year that we're planning forward, or if you're planning a quarter right now, or you're planning a season within your career, we need to start by looking at the big picture. And I encourage you to have some method of looking at the big picture right there in front of you all at once. I am so old school, so analog in this way. Every year I get one of those wipeable, erasable calendars that are laminated with the whole year on it. And I get out my markers and I put it right where I can see it. This helps me make sure that there's a little bit of everything on there and that no one week or month or season is overscheduled, that there's balance and that there's room for all the phases of growth throughout the year. So whatever method works for you, I want you to have a physical way of scheduling things that's outside of your own noodle. This isn't just in your brain and this isn't just the weekly function on your calendar in your phone. This is a large way of seeing the big eagle eye view of what's going to be going on for this upcoming year. 
So step number one, get out some type of tangible calendar. Step number two, which I know sounds so simple, but I bet that if you haven't been using a big picture view of your calendar, you might notice that A, you're either totally overbooked all the time or that you've got feast and famine seasons where you're all in or you're all out and then you're worried that you're not doing enough. We want to make sure that there's the big view. Step number two, the first thing we actually do with that calendar is we begin to subtract from it. This part is huge, especially if you find yourself chronically overwhelmed or chronically feeling like you work really hard all day long but you're not quite getting anything done the way you want it to get done at the standard that you want, or you're not quite reaching the places you want to get to. We have to make sure that before we add things into our days, that we subtract things. And here's what I mean when I say that. The first thing we do with our calendar is we begin to acknowledge and make notes on the dates when you are not going to be available for your work, either not available for it at all or not available for it in the most robust way. So you're going to block off things like the holidays that you celebrate or the birthdays that you want to acknowledge or anniversaries. You're also going to block off things like vacation time or getaway time or time to take a course that you've been looking forward to doing. You also might block off foreseeable appointments like medical annual exams or haircuts or trips to the dentist or routine car maintenance, whatever it is. We begin to block off gray space. This is crucial. You know, it's really interesting in my industry, there's so much lip service given to this idea of needing to have good time management skills. And that whole concept to me is just three degrees off, right? And what I mean when I say that is, I think right away of the TLC show hoarders, right? Where you've got people who have been hoarding a lot of things and now they need a professional organizer to come in and get everything in rows and boxes and organized so that it can all fit in the house. And sure, some things are, are thrown out, but mostly it's about creating these complex systems so that there's room for everything. And I think it's very much the same with time management. We only need really detailed time management skills when we're trying to squeeze more into our days than is reasonable. So rather than trying to master time management, we actually want to master the art of subtracting, of clearing off the things that aren't crucially important and making sure that there's space for what does matter. So step one, get your calendar out. Look at the high view of things. Step two, subtract the things that you know need to happen because you care about them from your calendar. And here's our third and final step for this episode. This is where we begin to schedule in what gives you life, as in what gives you energy. This is so important. and I wish I had recognized this sooner. You know, as a coach, I have found that it doesn't matter how good the plan is that I help somebody create. It doesn't matter how excited they are about it or how well intended or how many resources they have to make it happen. If they don't have the energy, or as my Jewish grandmother would have said, the chutzpah, right? The umph, the gumption to live into it. You are not a business in personal liquidation. And so if we are not scheduling in things that give you zest, that give you passion, that renew your sense of vitality or excitement, then odds are by default, you're going to be drained on a regular basis. You're not going to operate at the same level of focus or enjoyment or inspiration or sharpness or clarity that you would like to have. So if you haven't paused yet, 
and done some type of culmination exercise to make sure that you're really clear and up to date about what gives you energy, I want you to go back to episode 36. This was the episode on reopening gently, where I gave a really simple practice to process what's just happened before this very moment, and then to move forward with wisdom and with grace. And along with that episode, there's a culmination master sheet. I'll put a link to that here. That master sheet you can print out and use to help get super clear about what gives you energy and what you're going to focus on. There's nothing for sale in there. I am a very visual learner, and I also know the power of getting things out of your brain and onto paper how we're able to see things much differently when we have a little objectivity. So I do encourage you to give you and your career the respect to actually write some of this stuff down. But while we're here right now, as you think about what gives you energy, what gives you life, maybe that's going for walks outside. Maybe that's talking with certain friends. Maybe it's cooking. Maybe you hate cooking. (laughs) What gives you life would actually be figuring out how to meal prep or hiring somebody else to cook or deciding that every Friday you order in from your favorite taco spot, whatever it is. Now we want to take what gives you life and make sure that is represented in your calendar every day, every week, every month, and every quarter. So when I say every day, I mean, if sipping your favorite tea gives you a little bit of life, you want to make sure that that happens on most days. You want to actually schedule in a moment for that to be, whether it's first thing in the morning or at three o'clock, whatever works for you. And then weekly, something that might be slightly bigger, like a weekly touch point, a phone call, a Zoom session, a walk with somebody that energizes you or with a podcast or a book that inspires and uplifts you. And then monthly, maybe there's something a little bit bigger. Maybe you do take an afternoon off or you do plan, you know, one day a month to just recharge in whatever way gives you life. And the same with quarterly. Now, quarterly, again, might be larger. So as the increment of time grows larger, so does the potential activity. Maybe quarterly, you need to take a Zoom class or you want to learn a new skill, whatever it is. We schedule in what gives you life because that alone will make every decision that you and I are about to discuss in the next episode so much easier and so much more likely that you'll follow through on it because you'll have the energy to get there. So I am so curious to hear from you as we begin to wrap up today's conversation. What's one part of this episode that's landing with you? Keep it simple. (laughs) You don't have to remember it all. It's recorded. You can go back and listen to it again. But if you only remember one element, of today's conversation. What is it? And I want you to do more than just think about it. I want you to actually write that down. Ideally, take it on over to iTunes if you've enjoyed this episode and put it in a review because that helps more women see and have access to this information or tag me on LinkedIn or Instagram and we'll keep the conversation going. And then next week when you tune in, we're going to cover the final element of this PPE planning, experimenting. Experimenting is incredibly important. So together, we're going to do a quick experiment that is going to literally clear 80% of the busy work off your plate during our one conversation. And then we're going to create one doable professional experiment that you can implement gently over the entire year that's going to act as the rocket fuel to bring you what you desire. This is what closes the gap between where you are and where you want to be in your career, in your health, and in your relationships with a whole lot of ease and joy along the way. So I hope you'll tune in again next week. And remember, you thrive through nourishment. 
not punishment. Keep prioritizing what you value, including making your planning simple. And I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.